some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, <coughs> may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, <coughs> according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Thank you, and you may be seated. Pastor. All right, good morning. Good to see everybody out. You notice we're kind of bare in the back corner back there. and man, We've been moving, got the piano over to the other building and looking forward to that. Looking looking good over there. And a little more, a lot more room than this, that's for sure. And so we are looking forward to that, looking really good. Thankful for all those that were able to come out yesterday and help out. And we got a good amount done. And uh, so that was, that was good. Brother Jim is really good at putting... Vince in a floor, so he did a good job on that, and <laughs> wherever he went, yeah, there he goes, so anyway, good to see everybody out, Do stay in prayer for where the Neil is, is healing up, and so they aren't heal, here today, I think, I know he's getting better, and uh, pray for Barbara and Jack, and Barbara is uh, up and down still waiting for some procedures and to take place to happen, and uh, Brother Bob Healy's not feeling good today his back's kind of been kind of bad and him and betty aren't here today so we're down quite a bit today but good to see you all good to see everybody here so well let's pray if we will and uh, uh if you're a uh, guest of ours today we are we take just a moment to pray and ask the lord to speak to us and kind of clear clear away uh all the distractions we bring in distractions where we go they kind of follow us along and we just kind of ask the Lord just to put those at bay for a little while so we can hear, because God has an answer for us. He's got a word for us. He's got, he has what we need today, and uh, I don't want to miss that. So let's take a moment just to pray right where you are individually and ask the Lord to help you there, and then I'll close us out here in just a second.
Father, we thank you for yet another day. Thank you, uh, Lord, for the just a beautiful day, beautiful weather, and uh, for the ability to come out and assemble. We thank you for that. Lord, uh, we thank you that we can be assured that when your word is preached, uh, Lord, that the Holy Spirit takes the word that is preached and does a work in our heart and our minds. And uh, Lord, uh, we have the we have the uh, the choice right now whether we're going to take what you've given to us today and what we're going to do with that and how we're going to apply that, how we're going to turn to you in dependence and allow you to do in our heart and life what you are what you would like to do. We know what the ultimate goal is that you have is to conform us to the image of Jesus. That's what you said. And uh, we thank you for that work. We just pray that you'd help us to have a yielded hearts and minds to you, allow you to do what you want to do in our heart and life. And I pray for those that are not with us today that are uh, dealing with uh, recovery and illnesses and, and uh, pending surgeries and things like that. And Father, we just ask for your healing hand upon them and restore them. Uh, Lord, that you'd bring them back to us, that they'd be able to be back and busy about the work again. We ask you to do that. And um, and then, uh, Lord, there it could be there's somebody uh, watching online today, somebody in our presence. That's, Lord, they've never been born again by the Spirit of God. They've never been saved. We ask your Holy Spirit to draw today, that their eyes would be open, that they'd understand, uh, Lord, what, the, what they're missing is Jesus. We ask you to do that work today as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand one more time before the pastor comes and let's turn to page 121. Page 121. Let's do all verses.
be seated, Pastor. Good singing this morning. And uh, all right, we are in uh, back in Ephesians chapter number uh, four. Brother Jim read for us this morning in Ephesians chapter four. We uh, moved the pulpit over yesterday. The the old, the real pulpit. And uh, man, it was nice having that over there. I got I like, first of all, it's like it's like down here. It's lower. I thought I didn't realize how low that thing was. So that was nice. That was encouraging. So and and it was wider. Boy, it's none of this stuff like that. So anyway, it's looking good over there. If you have a chance this afternoon, walk over there. If you haven't seen been inside, go take a gander around. The uh, the ramp turned out okay. Um, and uh, Brother Chris approved somewhat. We have one little, one little thing to fix on it. He had a great idea on what to do with that. So I told our builder who built it, I told him that yesterday, and he goes, yep, that'll work. So we're going to work on that this week. So, All right, Ephesians chapter number 4. If you remember not too long ago, um, I, I gave you the illustration to understand what's going on here in Ephesians chapter 4. But back in, you don't have to turn there, but back in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David uh, had uh, been uh, at, at, uh, uh, fighting the Philistines. And while he was away fighting, uh, fighting the Philistines, um, he had left their, lo- their wife and their children, their belongings. He left them all back at Ziklag. And then this band of Amalekites that came through Ziklag, they burned it down with fire. They took their wives, took their children, took all their stuff and got out of there, right? And so David got word that this had happened, and so he had left and took his men. They took, they walked, went overnight. They just kept going. They got back to Ziklag. They got there, and they saw everything was burnt down with fire. Everything was gone. All of their things were gone. Their wives, their children had been taken, and they sat down for a while, and they wept. And after they took some time there, David got an army together to go back after, after uh, those uh, Amalekites to get their stuff back. Well, there's 200 of them that were just so exhausted from the war, so exhausted from travel, they could not go any farther. So David said, you just stay here and we'll be back. And they, they went back and uh, they were supposed to stay there and watch the stuff. That's what the Bible, I like that word stuff. We use these words, you think, oh, that sounds, sounds like kind of the lower lower uh, echelons of the English language. And it's like, no, that was a good Bible word there. They just stayed by the stuff. And uh, it's a good reminder for us today in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that uh, there are those that need to stay by the stuff, man. There are those in this church that need to be around and making sure the doctrine stays right and the church stays right and the music stays right and the, and, and the belief system stays right. There, we, we always need those to stay around. And you may not be able to do all of the fighting that you used to do spiritually. You might not be able to walk the streets and knock the doors and do all of those things. But listen, you can stay, still stay around and be faithful, amen, and watch what's going on around here. And so he found the Amalekites, and boy, David came in. He was a warrior, right? He swooped down, uh, wiped everything out, recovered all of their families, got all of their stuff back, and they took the spoils of war. They, they not only got all their stuff back, but they took everything of the Amalekites, uh, the spoils of war, which was normal to do back then, and they brought it back up into uh, Ziklag, and they began to divide everything up. 
Now, some of the guys can complain and say, hey, they didn't do anything. They just, they just stayed here. And David said, no, they, they had a role. They had a job. Somebody had to stay around. And uh, everybody's going to divide up the spoils of war. And we saw this, that this is really what Jesus did when he won our redemption. This is what he did when he paid the atonement, right? He was crucified. He was buried on, on that crucifixion day. He, the Bible says he descended into hell. I don't have time to tell you how that, how uh, to, to delve into that. I will tell you this. He didn't go into the fires of hell to pay for sin. Absolutely not. It's not what happened. He went in to the parts of hell where heaven, where hell and paradise both were. And he preached to the those angels that were reserved in chains, those demons that were reserved in chains unto the judgment. And then he took all of those Old Testament saints and he brought them to heaven. All right. So now hell is not split up into, into two compartments. Hell is one compartment awaiting for the judgment uh, and after the judgment, those that are in hell, the Bible says in Revelation, after the judgment, it says death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And sadly, this is what they're awaiting. They're awaiting for the judgment. They're waiting for the final sentencing, which is uh, the lake of fire. But Jesus came, and he took all of those Old Testament saints who, are, who died in faith, believing that the Messiah was coming, that the Lamb of God was coming, that blood was going to be shed, and they were waiting uh, for that. And they, that day Jesus came into those places and it was done. It was finished. The, pay, the payment had been made. The blood had been sacrificed. It had been placed upon the altar. He took them out of heaven or out of hell, brought them to heaven. He rose again bodily from the grave. Amen. The third day. Somebody just asked me about that just recently. And I just, that's, that's the thing I go back, back to, man. If this, this Jew, there was a Jew who, uh, if anybody is intellectually honest, agrees, there was a Jew in Palestine who, whose name was Jesus who lived from maybe somewhere between 2 and 4 B.C. to maybe 27 A.D. He was crucified by the Roman government. He, he, he did die. Uh, many, uh, there are other accounts of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He did die and he was buried. I said, but the difference between Jesus and Muhammad and Allah and Buddha and Joseph Smith and every other group that's out there. The difference is that Jesus not only claimed to be God, he proved it when he raised himself from the dead three days and three nights later. He was seen of 500 witnesses, right? That's pretty good in a court of law. Uh, he stayed on the earth for 40 additional days. That's pretty good proof, right? And uh, can I remind you the only... The only uh, the only uh, uh, recorded miracle of Muhammad was that he flew from Medina to Jerusalem, no, from Medina to Mecca uh, on a flying goat at night, which nobody saw. I mean, hey, if he had a bunch of 500 witnesses, I'd have to listen to him, right? And, uh, but he didn't. He had none. Jesus rose from the grave. Watch this. Look at our text, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verse 8, Brother Jim read the text for us. Look what it says in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. That was those saints that were waiting in the other part of, of the uh, what, what is called hell. They were waiting for Jesus. He said he led captivity captive. Look at this. And he gave gifts unto men. What did he do? He began to hand out the spoils of war. He, was, he, he conquered he is a conquering king. 
and he was handing out gifts. Listen, every believer, everybody born again of the Spirit of God has been given grace according to to the measure of the gift of Christ, that word measure meaning like uh, talking about stature, and I don't have time to really focus on that this morning, but according to the measure of the gift of Jesus Christ, look at the, listen to me, and every believer has received spiritual gifts. You can see that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. I'm not going to go there for sake of time this morning, but many of you are familiar with that. You can go back and look at that. Now, some of these gifted believers... Right? If you're born again, you have gifts. You have, you've been given a gift from God. You have a spiritual gift. But of these gifted believers, the Lord Jesus Christ has chosen out some, called out some of them for a specific role to play in the body. Now, let me illustrate it this way, if I may. I, I, my mind goes back to business all the time. And uh, I want you to imagine this. An employer has built a manufacturing company. He's built a company. They have employees. They have machinery. They have a product they put out. They have a sales team. They, they have marketing campaigns. Uh, they, they may be something like, I don't know, Alan, boats, right? And you, you know what the, the plant floor looks like. You're familiar with the plant floor, and you see how that is. Well, suppose, uh, suppose uh, uh, Mr. Morris goes and uh, finds one of his kinfolk and says, tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one of your own plants. It's not going to be Tracker. It's not going to be Ranger. Uh, we'll come up with a new name for these line of boats, but it's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the machinery. I'm giving you the employee base. I'm giving you the clientele. I'm giving you the everything that you need, the, the building, the facility, everything you're going to get your own company to build and to grow and to prosper. That'd be pretty cool. Would you take it? Yeah, you t- he's, I'd take it, absolutely. And that'd be a pretty good deal. And so your job would be is to run the company, grow it, and expand it. Okay. So now let's think this. Here you are. You're set up in your new company. The machinery is going. The employees are just happy as a lark getting paid 12 bucks an hour. Yeah, I don't know how you did it, but you did. And uh, they get th- three breaks and not two, however you did to make them happy, only making 12 bucks, but you did it. And, uh, the, the, you know, the boats are coming out. They're the best thing on the market. They're doing well. But the owner has decided that since his first company was so successful, he's going to give you some extra tools to be successful. He's going to give you some tools to be successful, even above what you're doing is what might possibly be possible. Now, realize this. All illustrations fall short, okay? So bear with me. So this owner comes along and he goes, I'm going to give you, Alan, your new company, I'm going to give you a sales coach. His name's Zig Ziglar. I know he's dead, but pretend he's alive, okay? I'm going to give you Zig Ziglar, and he is going to be in charge of keeping your sales force top-notch performing. And then I'm going to give you a business coach. I'm going to give you John Maxwell, if you know who that is. And did you ever meet John Maxwell? Okay. Uh, he was out there in California, wasn't he? Yeah. And I've got some of his books and very gifted in that, in that way. And he says, the owner says, I'm going to give you John Maxwell. He's going to, he is going to be your business coach and he's going to help you keep everything running. He's going to keep you on top of things. And then here's a real good one. He goes, I'm going to give you a tax coach. He's going to be a, a former IRS accountant that 
that is still alive. But he's going to be he's going to be a former IRS accountant. He is going to be your tax coach to teach you how to navigate through the tax code. It's it's cumbersome. It's huge, and uh, there's a lot of gray areas uh, to where you can hopefully keep from sending the government any money at all. And then I'm going to give you a marketing firm. And uh, listen, you got to market, and I'm going to give you those. And so let me tell you this: if I worked for a company that gave me a new venture to go out and to grow and to expand, and the owner of that company gave me these four experts, I would call that a gift. I'd like that. I'd be wildly, I, I, I would have the opportunity to be more successful in, in, in accomplishing the goal of the owner than I would be without those. So let me tell you this. Jesus Christ, as we know, built his church. Amen. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Which tells us what? As long as we're on this planet, the church of Jesus Christ is still here. He started it. It was his idea. That word ecclesia, what's it mean? You remember this, right? It means called out assembly. What is an assembly? Well, the Bible uses only three metaphors for his church. It's a body a building, and a bride. They're all visible. They're all local. What do we know from the Word of God? There is no such thing within the Word of God anywhere of a universal or invisible church. They are always local. They are always visible. They are always an assembly of baptized, born-again believers covenanted together to carry out the Great Commission. That is a good definition of the church. And so Jesus started His church. And He said that His church, which He called His body, would continue until He came again. So watch this. Just as Jesus Christ created Himself a human body that He could live in and work through to accomplish redemption, he also created another body, his church, that would continue to be a body that he could live in and live through and accomplish his work. Colossians 1.18 says, it calls it this way. It says, the book, Colossians 1.18 says that Jesus, it says he is the head of the body, the church. The church is the body. It is a body of Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus' desire that this body grows and expands and reaches the utmost part of the world. And so Jesus gives his church some gifts as well. Would you notice this? I'm going to show you uh, three different definitions of the word gift in our text alone. Notice this here in verse number 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now that word gift there is one single Greek word. I believe it's pronounced Doria. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't know Greek. And, uh, but it means a gift. But it's speaking this way. It, it, you can, it is a gift or as a gift. Watch this. More signifying that what you received was without merit and free. That's what that word means. It's a gift. When somebody gives you a gift, if they don't say, here you go, it's all in a nice package, and nowadays it's in a bag with frilly stuff coming out of the top of it, right? Here you go, and they take it, and they're like, oh, thank you, and you go, five bucks. Right? Well, it's not a gift anymore, right? So this, the significance of this is it's a gift that doesn't cost you anything. 
right? Kamara, has anybody given you a birthday gift and wanted money back? Who? Somebody, oh, we're going to find, that's not a gift, was it? They wanted, you had to pay for your gift? <laughs> yeah. No, she, her gifts are free, aren't they? You get them free. And uh, that's Doria. Notice the one, the next one, look at verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave, here it is again, gifts unto men. Well, this is another word. This, this, this is the word doma. It means gift, again, it means a present, something wrapped up, and it's speaking of the object itself. It's a gift. If whatever it is, Brother Martin, if I, I gave you a gift card of, for $1,000 to, to uh, Brahms to get ice cream, right? I mean, that, that little card, that, that, that I guess technically the ice cream, the, the gift card, that is, that is the gift. It's the object itself that this word, verse 8, is speaking of. Yeah, right? He gave gifts unto men. Actual, watch, tangible things he gave to men. Now notice this third one. Didomi, verse 11. I didn't stutter. That's actually how it's pronounced. Didomi. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That's that word gave right there. It means this. I had to write this one down. There's a lot to this. Of one's own accord to give one something to his advantage to bestow on a gift. To bestow, I'm sorry, as, or to give as a gift. Now notice this what Jesus has done here. Jesus gave his church a beautifully wrapped present. He gave it as a gift freely. He gave it of his own accord, watch, and to his own advantage. That's what he's given, these gifts. Now if you notice in verse 11, there are four of them. You could call them, if you want to deal on a business model, you can call them positions. Positions. Now, 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 all of these four positions, these four gifts, each one of these people, they, they, whoever would be called to one of these, they would have their own spiritual gift. But watch this. The apostle isn't a gifting. The position is the gift to the church. Somebody doesn't come along and say, oh, I have the gifting of an apostle. I have the gifting of an evangelist. I have the gifting of a pastor, teacher. No, that's not what it's signifying at all. It's signifying that the position itself is the gift given to the church. So watch this. There is a po- the first one is apostle and then prophet and then evangelist and then pastor and teacher. What is an apostle? That word apostle means a sent one. I'm telling you, they're all over the place out there today claiming to be apostles. You know, apostle this and apostle that and apostle this and a prophet this and prophet that. I like God's title. Sometimes, sometimes, brother, it's doctor this and doctor that and they, they don't have a doctor. They just love the title of doctor. And I'm like, whatever happened with God's title of pastor? That is a great title and it's a good title. And if God finds uh, the, the that he likes to give that title. I think that's a great title that we ought to have. But he gave apostles and prophets and, and, and evangelists and pastors. What is an apostle? That word apostle means a sent one, right? They were sent out. Jesus chose 12. We looked at this just Wednesday night in First Peter. But Jesus chose out 
12 of the, out of his disciples, he, pulled, he called out 12 of them and called them to be apostles. Were they gifted to be an apostle? Uh, I, Peter had a lot of problems, friend. I don't know if he was gifted for much. <laughs> gifted to talk, gifted to teach, right? You know, he had a spirit, he got saved, he got a spiritual gift, but uh, God chose him out. The Lord Jesus chose him out. It means a sent one. What? Peter was sent to the Jews. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Thomas made his way into India, right? I mean, you, you could find where these apostles, they went out, they preached the gospel, they established churches. Watch, they validated the message by miracles, and they had qualifications that uh, we saw in Revelation that even the churches, God commended them for trying those, putting them on trial for those who said they were apostles and were not. And he said he commended them for that. Why? Because there's liars out there. There's liars that love to have power and authority. And they go out and they say, well, I'm an apostle. And this church said, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> I like that. What were the qualifications of, a, of an apostle? Well, they were chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They were eyewitnesses of the crucifixion. They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And they had miracles that they were able to do. Those are qualifications of an apostle. But then we come next to a, po a prophet. He said, and he gave some, verse 11, apostles and some prophets. <clears throat> right? Now, the prophet wasn't necessarily sent out to establish churches like the apostles were, but they were preachers. Watch this. They spoke by direct illumination of the Holy Spirit of God. Right? Today, we preach uh, by the illumination of the Word of God. Right? The Holy Spirit of God illuminates His written Word, and we preach, thus saith the Lord. But in, before, the, before the Word of God, the New Testament was completed, right? they preached from the Old Testament, obviously. But these prophets, God chose some of these men out to preach directly, uh, from directly from the illumination of the Holy Spirit of God. Right? In the Old Testament, they were called foretellers, and they were foretellers as well. Jeremiah preached what God told him to say, that he was a foreteller. But also, we think of Isaiah, who prophesied of the coming Messiah. 700 years below. What was it before? What was he doing? He was acting as a foreteller. They were prophets. They were prophets. A New Testament prophet was more, 90% of the time, one of a foreteller. They were just preaching what God had told them to preach. Now we notice these first two positions, apostle and prophet. You have to stay with me here because I'm going to make application here in just a little bit. But this first position... These first two positions are foundational. I find it. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 2, would you please? Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 20. Look at verse 19. I'm sorry, I do this every time. Verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief himself being the chief cornerstone. So the, the, the office, the position, the gift of apostle, that gift position of prophet was a, was a foundational, foundational position. Can I tell you something? Once you lay the foundation of a building, right? You usually you don't add to it. 
Usually you don't, once you start building the building on the foundation, right? You don't come up to the first floor and then, eh, let's build another foundation. Well, let's, let's throw a foundation over in this room. Well, why don't we put a foundation in the attic? Well, that's not even what a foundation is, right? It's underground. It's usually not seen. I like that. Sometimes it comes up around a little bit, but it is to hold everything else that is built upon it. And this, this position of apostle and prophet is called a foundation. Listen, there's no need to add to a foundation unless it's faulty. And I'm going to tell you this, any foundation that God builds is not faulty. Amen. And the apostles and prophets, the 12 apostles, listen, they are the foundation, the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. But notice the next two positions. The next one is an evangelist. And some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. Now, the one that comes to mind readily is the name Philip. If you remember, Philip went down to Samaria to preach. He uh, preached there. Many got saved there in Samaria. He baptized them. And then the church at Jerusalem, which Philip was from, Don't miss this. Philip was from that church. He was, quote, sent out of that church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem went ahead and sent Peter and John apostles to confirm what was going on in Samaria. And what happened in Samaria? Well, you had Philip who had authority, preached the gospel. People got saved. He baptized them under the authority of the church at Jerusalem. What do you have in Samaria? You have a church. You have a church. The Ethiopian eunuch, remember after there, the Holy Spirit of God sent uh, Philip down uh, on, on the way. And uh, that, that Ethiopian was in that, uh, in that, in that um, what's that called, chariot, <laughs> reading the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip comes up, the Holy Spirit says, there it is, go up there. And he went up in the chariot. He says, what are you reading? He goes, well, I'm reading this and I, I, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? And well, he, he was reading Isaiah, he was reading the Messiah. And uh, Philip explained it to him, and he preached to him Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, and, I mean, in the in the Ethiopian eunuch, he believed the preaching of the gospel. And what happens? He says, "Well, here's water. Let's get. Let me. I, I, I need to be baptized." And what did Peter say? Do you believe? He said, "Yes." You know what doth hinder me to be baptized? You know nothing now. So he baptized him again. What? Where is he from? He's from the church at Jerusalem, right? He is sent out with authority. He is preaching the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch believes the gospel. What does Peter or Philip do? He, he baptizes him. And what happens to the Ethiopian eunuch? We don't know. We don't know. People say, well, see, I guess it's not connected to the church at Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know. But we do have a pattern where it is. I think it's highly probable. Right. What, 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 what would... I don't have time for this today. <laughs> but technically, he was added to the church at Jerusalem. But well, that's a whole other day. But, uh, but he went on his way, and the Holy Spirit of God sent Philip off somewhere else. Watch what Philip was doing. He had a hub. He, had a, he was a member. He was an appendage of the church at Jerusalem. And listen, he was an evangelist. And he went out preaching the gospel, seeing people saved. When people got saved, they got baptized. And what do you have? You have a baptized, regenerate Assembly. What is an evangelist? No, no. 
A New Testament evangelist aren't the guys running around country preaching everywhere. They're not the Billy Grahams. They're not the Mordecai Hams. They're not the Billy Sundays. As powerful as they were, as maybe some great things that they did, that is not a New Testament evangelist. A New Testament evangelist, I believe, is a church planter. And they go out with authority, under authority, and uh, they do not, you know, have their own ministerial alliance, and they don't have their own, uh, you know, you ever notice they have their own name, you know, you know, Billy Bob Ministries, or whatever you want to call it, right? And it's like, no, a biblical New Testament evangelist is a gift given to what? The church, not to himself, right? Here's, here's another mistake. If you mistakenly view the church as universal and visible, they believe that they're given to all the churches. No, they were given to the church they're a part of. It's a local visible assembly. It is a gift to that church. What do they do? They go out and spread the gospel. Watch. And they establish and plant churches. What are they doing? They're, they're helping. Watch. They're helping the body that they're a part of be obedient to the Great Commission to go out into all the world unto Jerusalem. Watch. And then Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost part of the world. Philip. All right. Samaria. Paul. Uttermost part of the world to fulfill the Great Commission. They're a gift. They're a gift. Yeah. Let me show you the, le- the last one here. The evangelist still exists today. It's, still a, it's a gift. The first, the prophet and apo- the po- apostle and prophet, they're foundational gifts. They're, they're, at the end of the, the first century, the, the, the Word of God, the New Testament was, was completed and there is, not an, there is not a need today for an apostle or a prophet. There's no need today. We have, Paul, Peter said this, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And what is it? It is the Word of God. Remember, Peter said that as he, after he came off the Mount of Transfiguration and sat there and saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus and transfigured himself right there. I mean, he saw an incredible thing right there. And he came off there and said, even, even though I've seen that, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. And that's what we have today. But thirdly, this one, this evangelist, we still have an evangelist today, gift given to the church. And lastly, pastor. Look at this, pastor and and teacher. The pastor is an under-shepherd. What does he do? He guides the flock. He feeds the flock. He protects the flock. He corrects the flock. And we saw this this morning in Sunday school. We haven't got to this part, but there's 17 qualifications for a pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So number one, he's a pastor. It's a gift given to the body, to the church. And not only that, he's a teacher. One of the qualifications of a pastor in those 17 qualifications is, is apt to teach. They've got to have the ability to teach. Yeah. Pastor, teacher. Teacher is a small part of it. Preacher is a small part of it. What I do on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and whenever I get a chance, it's a small part of it. The larger part of it is pastoring. One of our pastors told me years ago, and he said, uh, preaching is about 10% of the ministry. If I could just preach, boy, it'd be a good life. <laughs> 90% of it is pastoring. Wait, that's a gift. It's a packaged gift God freely gave to his church. He said, this, this, you'll, you'll need this. You'll need this. So those two positions exist today. Apostle, prophet, done. Pastor, teacher, and evangelist, 
they're still here today. Watch this. The gifts are given to aid the body. Look at verse 12 through 13. For the, he, and he gave, uh, here we go again. I did it again. Verse 11. Go back up one more. And he gave some, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we call come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now you might divide these differently just for uh, uh, just to be quick about it today. You can see here the gifts are given to aid the body and there's six goals that Crimson Avenue Baptist Church has. There are six goals, right, that that God wants to see achieved through the two offices of pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Number one, perfecting of the saints, maturity. The maturing of the saints. That, that you're not, listen, that you're not in the same church for 40 years and still, and still drinking milk and eating pablum, right? It's kind of a weird thing when, when a 40-year-old adult is, is eating baby food. There's something not right there, right? Unless they're a youth director and they're doing some weird thing. But that's... I've puked up a few of those, but, <laughs> but it's not normal, right? Perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Well, go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? This is why you're here this morning. I hope you realize this. You, this is why we assemble. That's why you're a member of a, of a body and just not off doing your own thing. Because the commission that Jesus gave to preach the gospel to the world was given to his church. And listen, we have got to be come to a place as mature believers, uh, to do the work of the ministry. This is why we are here. Look at this, for the edifying of the body. Do you know the work of the ministry is hard? Right? The rejection of the world is hard. Right? The, 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 the spiritual battles that we go through all on a weekly basis as we attempt to get the gospel out uh, wherever we are is a difficult and a draining process. And you know what we need in the body? We just need a time of edification. We need a time for the body to be built up. Look, till you come to the unity of the faith, we need to be all on the same page. I told you this morning, that is the role of the bishop, right? The overseer. He is to keep everybody going the same direction. He's overseeing everything that there is. Look at this, the knowledge of the Son of God. You have got to come to an understanding uh, better and better and greater and greater and deeper and deeper every year of the person of Jesus Christ. Because that is the difference. That is the difference between every group that's out there and biblical Christianity and the biblical church that Jesus started. It all hangs on the person of Jesus Christ. If He is not God, you are not a believer. You are not a Christian. If He is something else, if He is just a higher ethic, if He is just a great philosophical leader, if He is just a good Messiah, a good teacher, listen, it is not who the Bible is, is, is presented uh, Jesus as. Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. He is God Himself. He is God wrapped in human flesh. He gave Himself and He uh, is a ransom for many. And His blood was a perfect blood, not of the blood of Adam. He had a perfect blood that was able to wash away all sin, past, present, and future. You've got to know who that is. And that's why we are here in a church. That's one of the goals that we have here until we come to the knowledge of the Son of God and finally spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. 
there's three outcomes. Look at verse 14 through 16. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, right? And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. It's a, it's a shame to watch people just all over the map spiritually. They believe this one day and they believe this another day. You know, they're over here speaking in tongues and they're over here with them, you know, living in a cave trying to live this ascetic lifestyle. And then they're, then they're over here, you know, with bikers for Jesus. And then they're over here at, you know, Cowboys for Christ. And then they're over here at, you know, just fill in the blank. It's just, oh, change after, I mean, all over the place. It's sad. It is. Right. Because Jesus said, it's real simple. He said, here's the way. Walk ye in it. Singular. <laughs> Singular way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one way. Listen, it's not the, and, and the goal of the church and the goal of the gifts that are given to the body, the church, is so that we don't stay as children, watch, and are just brought around. You ever tease a kid? You ever tease a child? Get them to believe something? Yeah. I tell my little nephew, what's a dog say? And I go, Meow. Yeah, my sister would go, stop that. <laughs> and they'd go, meow. And she's like, oh, see, you know, just, just, yeah. This is what happens when you're immature in Christ. Every doctrine that comes down the pike, you're hopping on to. God doesn't want that for you. It does, it's not good for the body. Listen, if we are not sure in what we believe, how can we be sure when we go out to tell those who, uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How, how, can we be, how, how can we tell them to be sure if we're not sure? No more children. Look at this. Speaking the truth in love. The false teaching of men yeah, and women. You have these women, women preachers out there now. The false teaching of them that causes people to be tossed to and fro. Listen to me. It's never out of love. I don't care what they tell you. Because it's not true. And if they're leading you in error, they may be sincerely wrong. But there are those out there that know exactly what they're doing. They're deceptive. They're deceiving and they know they are. It's never out of love. Truth is spoken. uh, Listen, sometimes people don't speak the truth in love. I'm not talking about that. And uh, they can just be kind of cranky. And there's still love involved there. But listen, truth, speaking the truth in love, truth is always grounded in love. People say, well, you're just so mean about this. You know, why, you, why, why can't you be gentler about telling me that I'm wrong? <laughs> you know, well, because uh, when you love somebody and you see them at the, right at the precipice of danger and death, sometimes you don't have time to go, excuse me, right? <laughs> you might not want to do that, right? You're like, stop, <laughs> you know, sometimes. I would just, right? Sometimes you're screaming at people, right? Notice verse 16. Three outcomes. No more children. Speaking the truth in love. Increase of the body. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The increase of the body. Edifying itself 
in love. You want, you, want, you, you want to know how to really edify, lift up and pick up a body? Watch it increase. Watch people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and get baptized and added to the body. Boy, I tell you what, that, that is one way to edify the body. Nothing more nourishing, watch, there's nothing more nourishing for the body than for the entire body to be in sync. Yeah. I told Brother Martin yesterday he's looking forward to his knee surgery. And he said, now my hip was hurting, right? Was that your hip? Yeah. And I told him, let me punch you in your left arm and you'll forget all about your hip. Right? No, the goal is if that didn't hurt, then the knee was okay and the hip was fine and then I didn't have to punch him. I mean, the goal is for the whole thing to be in sync. That's pretty edifying. You're feeling pretty good when everything's working right. Yeah. That's the goal. Listen, this is the goal that Jesus Christ has for Crimson Avenue Baptist Church. And how is he going to accomplish this? Well, with two, two positions. Not Zig Ziglar or John Maxwell. <laughs> Sorry. But a pastor, an evangelist, he gave some. Not all, some. Some. He's given his church positions to help the body mature, to help it stabilize, to help it unify to help it work, to help it grow. The gifts are given to help the body accomplish its commission, to preach the gospel, to baptize believers, and to take those baptized believers and teach them, teach them to do the same thing. Teach them, Jesus said, whatsoever things I have commanded you, to disciple them in the word of God. Yeah. This is what these gifts are that Jesus has given to His church. The presence, freely given, cost us nothing, given to His church. And when the teaching comes, when teaching comes, when preaching comes from this pulpit, whether it is me, whether it is a Sunday school teacher, whether it is a missionary, a guest missionary, or one of our missionaries, whether it is a guest preacher, have you fully understood this? That the purpose of everything that comes from here and goes on out there is to equip, hold on, you to carry out the Great Commission? Yeah. You're like, I just thought I came and sang a little bit and got to listen and go home. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's what happens. But that's not, that's not what, what, it's, what you're here for. 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Bible tells us, Paul said uh, that we are ambassadors for Christ. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. What are we doing? We are carrying on what Jesus came to do. What did he come to do? He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And what do we do as ambassadors, as represent, representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ? We're calling the world to repentance. We're preaching the gospel and telling them, here's the good news. You were born a sinner and you're a sinner by choice and you're on your way. Uh, you've been separate from God. Your spirit has died and you're on your way to hell. But listen, if you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'd have faith, uh, repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He'd take away your sins now and forever. You're, you're 
your spirit would be made alive, your, your, you would be reconciled back to your Father, and you will forever, eternally be one with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that is our job as ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to go out and represent Him that way. That is your job, and 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 your job, and it, it, is, our, it is your responsibility. Chuck, all the way back there, that's your job. And Jim, that's your job. Absolutely, it's all of ours. And every member of the church has a responsibility to carry the gospel out into the world that they're living in. Whether it's at a workplace, whether it's the grocery store, right? Whether it's right, at a doctor's office, that's a good place. Right? You're like, what are you in for? You know, it's kind of like prison. What are you in for? That, that's, that's, what, that's what the gift is for, to equip you, to keep you going. See, this isn't a spectator sport. This isn't a buffet that you just get to fill up on and go home and fall asleep and sleep it off. <laughs> yeah. That's not what it's about. Listen, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say it this way. It's a medical school that's equipping the saints... To reach a sin-sick world dying and headed to hell. That's what's going on here. And just as that owner who gave Alan that awesome boat company, gave him all of those four positions to help him really be successful, God has given His church two offices, two positions right now. Two positions. Prophet, or not prophet. Yeah, evangelist evangelist and pastor teacher pastor and teacher one thing you know companies send their employees for continued training all the time anybody ever go for continued training might be a you know you might get ASE certification or you might go if you're a mechanic you might go to some accounting classes if you're accounting when I was in sales all the time we got sent to sales you know gurus like Brian Tracy and you know things like that and they'll pay for it and they'll pay a lot of money they'll, they'll, it costs them and what their goal is they hope to get a return for the investment of that expense of sending their employees off to hopefully be better employees right let me ask you what would a company do what would they do with an employee if after they sent that employee to all of this advanced training, spent thousands of dollars in, the, in, the, in this extended training, and uh, that employee came back and never implemented anything that they were taught, just sat there in their office, twiddling their thumbs, right, just doing what they used to do? What would, the, what, what, what would, what would that company do? Now, they might keep them on. They might say, well, I'm not doing that again. You're not getting a promotion. They're not getting a raise. You'll just sit in your little corner. You're not going to really accomplish anything for the company. Let me ask you this, though. What does it say for the character of the employee? See, God's given two wrapped presents to His church to equip and to build his church. Why? Because as one old group of Moravian missionaries used to say, because he deserves the rewards of his suffering. What a powerful thought. And God wants you equipped and wants me and you equipped 
as much as possible, the greatest as possible, because it's your responsibility and my responsibility to reach the world with the gospel. It's pretty rare that you get in the boat and go catch fish by them jumping in your boat. They've got to be caught. They've got to be confronted face to face. They've got to be invited to church. They've got to be, they've got to be given tracts. They've got to be asked, so do you have any idea what's going to happen to you when you die? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about your eternal existence? Have you ever thought about what it's going to be like uh, when you close your eyes? Are you sure where you're going to go when you die? No, there's conversations that have to come up. Yeah. And this is where we get equipped for that. Let me end with this and just a question. What are you doing with what you have been and what you are being equipped with? What are you doing with it? What are you doing? May God help us today. He's given us free gifts. Free gifts to His body, to His church. Extended training. (laughs) Some extras to see that His church is successful in reaching the world with the gospel. Why? Because He loves them. And we have a free will and they've, they've got to hear the gospel and they've got to decide on their own whether they're going to believe it or not. But listen, how shall they hear right, without a preacher? Right. How shall they hear without ambassadors? How are they going to hear without somebody preaching the gospel? That's our responsibility. May God help us today to not lose sight of the enormity, the enormity of the problem that's out in the world which is a world like you and I all were. If you're saved here today, we're in the same boat. We were lost and on our way to hell. And thankfully, somebody showed us Jesus. Now, you need to go out and do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Father, thank you today. Thank you for the gifts. Those packaged presents that you gave your church to equip us and to help us and to build us, to train us, keep us unified, to keep our eyes on the gold, to keep us uh, a heart of love and, and compassion and, and urgency for the lost world that needs Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. Would you help us, O oh God? Father, would you help us? Lord, that we wouldn't minimize the training. That we wouldn't minimize what takes place in the assembly your church, that it would be a priority of our life and that, Lord, you would help us, you would weigh down upon us the urgency of the gospel for a world that needs to hear it. Would you do that today? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand this morning with with me, if you would, please. The instrument's going to play. The invitation is open. However the Lord has spoken to you today. Are you busy about the gospel? When you come to the house of God and you come to the assembly, are you looking at it as an occasion to be better prepared to go back out and to to seek the lost and to share the gospel with those around you? I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you today, but you respond to Him however He has spoken. Maybe you're watching. Maybe they're watching online today. Maybe somebody's here today.
They've never been born again by the Spirit of God. They have never been saved. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus alone. You can be saved today. We can take a Bible and we can show you. You can call. Uh, you can email in. You can come after a service. and you can, We can show you from the Bible how you can know that your sins are forgiven. That you are right with God. That you're forever, forever be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can show you all of that. All right. Well, I hope you have a great afternoon. We'll be back, be back at 6 o'clock and should be back in the book of Matthew tonight. And I'll be looking forward to that. Have a great afternoon and, uh, and we will uh, see you here after just a little bit. Let's be closed in a word of prayer uh, this morning. Brother Davidson, would you close us in prayer this morning?